0: Welcome to the West Coast Project podcast for Better Call Saul. My name is Mike and I'm here with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hey, we're here for episode seven of season four. This one's called Problem Dog. Uh, Kelly, you run a couple websites for uh, fun facts for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Do you have any fun facts for Problem Dog?
1: I do. One first out of the gate is Peter Gould, who created um, Saul. He directed this episode and wrote this episode and uh, this was his first time directing so this should be an interesting one and Saul is in this one so this should be good.
0: So yeah this one starts out with Jesse playing that rage game. Um, we haven't seen, he's done that at the party before I think but have we really seen it this detailed where you can tell that rage game blurring with with Gail and being real is pretty real for Jesse.
1: Right. Yeah, and you know he's still he's still trying to get all those demons out of his head with those distractions.
0: Yeah. Right. But those distractions are not isolated from reality. They're blending. Reality's blending into them, which is really kind of freaky.
1: Yeah, and you can see his party. You know, he's in a mess, so uh, he's still continuing that party mode.
0: Well, Skyler bitch-slaps Walt, makes him take that nice car back, that Junior's beautiful red Challenger. Uh, Walt doesn't really want to do that, though. He takes one little less fun drive out of it and drives the crap out of it pretty much, uh, literally crashing and burning it, um, and then he calls a cab. Did you feel sad to see that car like that, Kelly?
1: I did. I did. I, I... I can see why he would do it. And it's interesting because they had to buy three challengers. Uh, Normally they'll buy one that's water damage. In this case, they couldn't. So they had to buy one brand new off the lot and strip it of everything that was sellable in it and then rip it up and go through about 10 pairs of tires.
0: Oh Uh, man.
1: That, that, uh, that was, that hurt a bit.
0: (laughs) It was such a beautiful car. And just, just for one day of ownership, (laughs) it just gets wasted. Yeah. So we see Saul now. Saul does make up for. We didn't see him at all in episode six, but he makes up for it here because he's really in full form. Um, Saul's does deal after deal for these guys, and this one is kind of a cleanup deal. Uh, he gets Walt off with misdemeanor trash burning for a fifty-two thousand dollars fine or something. Uh,
1: right. And, you know, here's, here's Walt, or Walt saying, well, just, you know, spare me the details. Just tell me it's done. So now Saul's not even getting his attaboy.
0: Yeah. So Walt was pissed because there was going to be like an $800 restocking charge for just bringing the Challenger back without anything at all, you know, one day of use of its life. Mm-hmm. But now he's got $52,000, he has got to pay other people off. Didn't Saul say it was something like $80,000 all done?
1: Yes, and when when Skylar was saying, go take it back, she said, ask for Glenn, which, you know, you're a Walking Dead guy, as from what your comments. And, uh, you know, Glenn was the one in Walking Dead that had that red Challenger as well, so.
0: Oh, that's right. That was the exact <laughs> same car, wasn't it? Uh-huh. And Glenn only had his for, like, one day, and then it got taken apart. right. <laughs> Boy, Challengers die a hard death in this.
1: Yeah, they are all over New Mexico. I don't know if that's just a coincidence, but they are everywhere.
0: Yeah, I wonder if, uh, I guess Chrysler, Dodge Chrysler must have had some sort of deal with Breaking Bad with Gilligan. Did you, do you know anything about that?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, they you the Breaking Bad had to actually buy the car, but they give them a courtesy fee, which is a large sum of money. But Vince Gilligan has said that he doesn't put any product in Breaking Bad that isn't for uh, the story. Uh, that he actually wanted the Challenger, um, so that's how those Sky- products.
0: Skyler has that Jeep, which I think is was once owned AMC Jeep was once owned by Chrysler. If it, mm-hmm. if it still isn't And then Walt has the 300 Later on
1: Yeah Dodge gets into a lot of stuff They're in Walking Dead I noticed it in a lot of shows
0: So um, so back to Saul here We're in Saul's office And Saul is, Saul is their bank too Because he has all the money in his safe mm-hmm. um, Which I thought was interesting too I didn't really catch that so much The first time through But he, they don't use banks They have Saul's safe as their bank so exactly. They really rely on Saul for a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, um, they couldn't get away with half the stuff without Saul. That's why he's such a, such a perfect character.
0: Yeah, so Walt's really starting to feel cornered by Gus now. Um, and he wants Saul to help ameliorate the situation with Gus. Which essentially means he wants to hit Gus to kill him. And he wants Saul to help him find someone. And Saul brings up a really important point that he might find someone, but Mike knows everyone that Saul is going to know. So, Saul, there's no way that they can get to Gus with a hitman without Mike knowing about it.
1: Exactly. Mike's so connected.
0: And Saul does offer the advice that maybe you can't get near Gus, but Jesse might be able to. Um, and maybe that sits with Walt a little bit more than it would have if he hadn't said it. Um, so Saul, you know, he doesn't just offer legal advice. He's just kind of a smart dude that offers, I would call this criminal advice, but I think it's good advice that he, you know, he kind of turns Walt onto this other idea.
1: He does. He can be a voice of reason. And sometimes when Walt's not thinking straight, he can come up with some really good ideas.
0: Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's funny, he's smart, he's a bad dude, he's a lawyer, and he's just a total entertainer. I don't know how they figured out how to put him in this show, but he adds, like, so much to it.
1: Yeah, he's absolutely wonderful, and I'm really excited for the new show.
0: So, so next we see Jesse fixing up the party house. He's evidently turned a corner. He's gone through withdrawal from the drugs. He's painting over the graffiti in the house, and he's kind of cleaning up his act now. Um, and he admits he's seen Gus. Walt goes over to, to talk to him. Um, and he, Walt's figured it out that Gus is trying to isolate them.
1: And right. Also when he sees Gus, he's, you know, Gus is giving him compliments. Like I see something in you and everything that Jesse needs. Cause he's definitely missing a father figure, which I think maybe Walt was in the beginning, but now Gus is really knowing how to push his buttons.
0: And But Walt is pushing his buttons here, too, because mm. he uses a heavy psych out on Jesse. Like, is it possible that he thinks you're weak-willed? And he, like, he, he knows that's going to get Jesse riled up. Right. And Jesse says, yeah, that might be So, you know, Jesse's ready to kill Gus because of this conversation he has with Walt. Basically because of what we just discovered that Saul turned Walt onto this idea.
1: Right. I like how Jesse will put Walt in his place and say, quit with the sales pitch. She said that a few times in the series. You know, quit yanking my chain. Just tell me what you really want.
0: Yeah, he's getting smarter by the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Marie at the car wash. She wants to do a grand party opening, party opening, probably all purple, if she, can, <laughs> if she has her say. Uh and Hank's doing better, and she delivers that news. Now, Walt shows up with a soda pop cache, the, the cash in the soda cases. It's the first time we've seen this, isn't it, Kelly? I don't remember it before.
1: No, uh-uh. This is his new way, I guess, of getting this into uh, the car wash.
0: Yeah, pretty smart, too. It's like no one would ever think to look in the center of a couple cases of soda. Right. Right. Uh Skyler's bragging about $3800 in car wash receipts from the day before, but Walt walks in with 274,000. Uh and that's too much for Skyler. She's freaked out cuz she's not going to be able to to launder it, right?
1: Right. I like how Walt's just kind of like he did with Saul. Like I don't want to hear the ins and outs. You said you could do this, just do it. He doesn't want to be bothered with the details.
0: Yeah. And this is these numbers are pretty strong evidence of Walt really breaking bad because if we remember, he wanted 757,000 in order to get what he needed and then get out, but now he's going to bring 274,000 every two weeks. <laughs> um, that was the seven and a half million a year that he's going to get from Gus's operation.
1: Yeah, well, that whole "I am the one who knocks" speech—he's telling her, you know, a whole, a whole. I don't know what the exact warnings, so but could go belly up without me. Um, so yeah, he's he's kind of he's in very deep. He's, this operation is just off the scale from what she's prepared for.
0: So now this money, Kelly, this isn't after it's been laundered, right? This is just raw money, like his payroll from Gus, right?
1: Yep, he's just rolling it in, literally, and and um, asking her to kind of take care of it. But now she's even like we can't pay with 50s and getting down to the real details that she – that Skyler's that's her personality. Uh, and he's just like, well, take care of it.
0: I don't I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, but she – that's bad. That's stupid of Walt because you can't – what do you expect her to do? Right, exactly. It's all in 50s. <laughs> you can't take that to a bank obviously and deposit it. Um, you do need a guy like Saul to. Even if you had to pay seventeen percent, it would be worth it if it was effective. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, twenty-five. What's seventeen percent? Twenty-five be about thirty or forty thousand out of every two hundred and seventy-four thousand. That'd be worth it to get it cleaned. You know, to make it valid money that you could spend. Yeah. I don't know, um, but it's, it's it's overwhelming Skylar for sure. So, now Walt's cooking under the cameras, um, and he takes a break to cook up some more ricin. This made me realize that the first ricin that they had got tossed away with Tuco's burrito. Remember that? I kind of forgot that. I thought this...
1: Yeah, that's right. Yep.
0: They had to make ricin twice, and this reminded me of that, that Tuco, actually, uh, Tio wiped it off the table when they're trying to poison Tuco but they had the second batch of ricin and Walt cooks this up in the lab in the break room <laughs> because uh, Gus didn't have cameras in the break room that seemed kind of a slip up
1: right yeah and every time he moves that camera just whirs along with him it's just got to be graining on him just the, that control that he has over him yeah and For yet, sure. he's cooking that ricin up you know under his
0: watchful eye Now, ricin, Kelly, is the perfect murder weapon. If it makes it only look like you've had a heart attack or you get a really bad fever and a flu and you die after five days or whatever, it's a perfect weapon. The only problem is the delivery of it.
1: Right, yeah. But, you know, you could put that in coffee. You could put that, well, you know, as we've seen later, you can put that in a lot of things um, that people wouldn't suspect.
0: Yeah, and Walt expects Jesse to become this hitman, the de facto hitman, and I guess the one to deliver the ricin. Um, and I really liked seeing Mike and Jesse together, Kelly. But I'm really glad that Jesse was still on Walt's side at this point.
1: Me too. Right. I, I always want Jesse and Walt together. I'm I'm always just in love with those two. I hate it when they're against each other.
0: Yeah, all the way to the end. It was it was mm-hmm. great. Um, so next we see Hank and Junior, of all people, going to Poyos for lunch. And they limp up. Of course, Junior's got his braces and Hank's got his walker. Yeah. <laughs> they even make a comment about that, don't they?
1: Yeah, they say, we may look at the pair of us or we make a
0: great pair or something. Uh, Junior tells Hank all about his new car. and um, But Hank's working on his detective skills with Junior. He's working him over. Um, and then Gus meets them and offers to buy them lunch and a job to Junior, and he's super nice. And um, But Hank proves his detective skills here because do you think the only reason he was in there for lunch was to get those fingerprints? Yeah. He gets a refill, and, and he gets the fingerprints from the cup that Gus handles. Um, pretty smart. Pretty damn smart of Hank, I thought, to do that.
1: Yeah, it is, and he all he mentions, and I don't know what other episode, but when he's talking to, to R.J., or to Walt Jr., he says, you flew too close to the sun, and that quote was used in another episode as well, so we'll have to keep our ears out for that.
0: Oh, yeah, the Icarus, right, Daedalus and Icarus, the Greek mm-hmm. fable about one, they have the wings and one flies too low, so gravity pulls them to the ground, but icarus i think is the one that flies too high and it melts the wax and he crashes because his wings melt off of him flies close to the sun yeah that's that's a great point but um i thought this whole scene with hank getting the fingerprints was really interesting right after the ricin scene because it just made me think of like where does gus take where does he eat where is he going to get rice and does he uh does anyone ever get to his food or his drinks? But here, here he's handling a drink that Hank trusts him to bring back without any harm. And it's all about fingerprints, but it's kind of an interesting thing to see right after that ricin.
1: Yeah, very genius. On, Hank is, is a smart guy. I mean, he's been on the trail. Uh, I think he can also be underestimated.
0: So I thought more about this at the chicken ranch. We see Mike and Jesse at the chicken ranch. Um, Gus is having another meeting. And my whole thing I thought about was, how is Jesse going to get the ricin to Gus? Um, He has a couple chances to poison him, but he can't pull the trigger. Um, One, especially with the coffee. Jesse's tasked with making the coffee, but he doesn't do it when it looks like he could have gotten away with it. What do you think there, Kelly? Is Is it too many people might drink that coffee or Gus might not drink any of it?
1: Yes, I think it was the casualties would be too large because we didn't know that it was just going to be this one guy showing up. You know, we're thinking the whole cartel. And he, either way, Jesse's just not a killer. I mean, he just is getting through Gale. I doubt he'd want to poison. Maybe Mike even might drink some.
0: Yeah, because even Gus thought the whole whole crew of cartel were coming, mm-hmm. not just this Gaff guy. But right. it's funny because it turns out that Gus is the only one drinks, that drinks the coffee. <laughs> I, don't not- think, I don't think Mike drank any of it. I think it was just Gus. Oh. <laughs> but Mike gives a gun to Jesse, uh, which is also very interesting. Like, he really does trust Jesse to have a gun. Um, I thought that was cool. But then Gaff shows up, and Gus orders $50 million. His deals $50 million, Let it all go. Business concluded. We're done. And Gaff shuts it down, just declines. And he re-offers Gus a counter uh and i guess his qu- his yes or no he wants a yes or no to the bucket message the thing written on that bucket lid which is are you ready to talk doesn't really offer what the details are just are you ready to talk
1: right exactly and it, it's it's just a odd situation but you know he's going to they're not the cartel is not going to say okay we'll take your 50 million things have a nice day they are not going to fold that
0: easily yeah, it just shows us how much that meth must must be worth to the cartel.
1: Yeah, they want their fingers in it no matter what.
0: So Gaff leaves this meeting, um, and as they're all breaking up, Jesse gives the gun back to Mike. And Mike wants to teach him how to shoot now. Mike's really bringing him along as a friend-slash-mentor-slash-father figure.
1: Yeah, he's like, I think we better teach you how to shoot. And, you know, then you've got Jesse saying, well, this is all fine and well, but what are we really doing here? And here's that line uh, that I would mentioned a few episodes ago that he said, your loyalty, that's what Gus is attracted to, but it's just probably to the wrong guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So next we see Jesse outside the Narcotics Anonymous meeting. He's kind of handling the rice and kind of wondering, am I really – doing the right thing here i think that's what he's thinking anyway (laughs) yeah but uh he gets into the meeting and he reveals everything he reveals killing gail although he doesn't say that gail was human he calls it a problem dog that he once had
1: right hence the title
0: yeah he had to put down a problem dog um, and then they criticize him. The people in the meeting criticize him, which I guess is kind of against the tenets of these n a meetings, and he's not supposed to judge other people.
1: Yeah, no crosstalk. Yeah, and I mean, how gutsy of him. That one guy looks like a big you know biker dude, and he's just like, I made you my bitch. You were nothing but customers.
0: Yeah, he admits that he's there to sell them drugs. Mm-hmm. Pretty bold stuff to admit there. That was that was a very strong scene, I thought.
1: yeah, I thought so too.
0: So next we see Hank and Merkert, Hank's boss Merkert, and Gomi. Gomi's there too, and Gomi's been promoted to G14, which is, I guess, enough to get him to El Paso and be the agent in charge or agent assistant in charge of El Paso.
1: Yeah, now that Gus or Gus, now that Hank gave it up, you know, Gomez is in the in the big seat now.
0: Can't blame Gomez for that. He's just Mm-mm. doing what's ever best for his career. Hank's still his friend, but. You gotta do, You can't step away from that, right? And they've determined now that Gale was Heisenberg's cook, not Heisenberg, which was a pretty important thing, I think, for them to understand. Uh, yeah. And then we see the the whole scribblings on the napkin had the Madrigal electromotive. We start to hear about this Madrigal electromotive, and how the part number was a part number for an out for an air filtration system that Madrigal produced. And Gail was sourcing that for Gus's lab. Um, now, Madrigal, Kelly, Madrigal Electromotive was a really big, unexplained mystery for me, left at the close of the whole season, of, not the season, but the whole series of episodes. Um, Madrigal seemed like it could have been more developed.
1: I agree. Um, I know that they they didn't really want to get too far into it because it was more, you know, the catch or the chase between the all of these characters. Uh, but for what I could gather, it was just a company in Germany that they were getting the air conditioning unit from.
0: Yeah, but they owned the they owned. Well, we'll see. <laughs> they owned a bunch of stuff that seemed really weird for them to own. I'm I'm actually hoping that this comes out in in the Better Call Saul series that we learn a little bit more about madrigal
1: Mm -hmm. yeah they didn't go real into detail i agree with you there
0: do you remember kelly did you trust murkert when you first saw this scene and met murkert and all this for the first time
1: um murkert has been he's been in episodes prior to uh when hank gave up the job and stuff You're talking about the gray-haired guy?
0: Yeah, yeah, the guy in Sons of Anarchy and, um, yeah, Merkert, the boss.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he's been hounding Hank to take this job and ignoring his calls, and here Hank comes with this doozy of files and information and, you know, literally points his his walker at uh, Gustavo on the wall in the picture and he's just like, well, really, I, you really think so? This guy's a friend of the police,
0: right? So. But I, I would listen, used to listen to some fan casts and other podcasts at the time of this season four, and you know, all the way through the the series. And Merkert being on the take or being dirty was one of the themes everybody kind of batted around at the time.
1: I never took that into consideration. I don't I always thought he was pretty stand up. He didn't give me any reason to feel like he was dirty. He, you know, you got to tread carefully when you have somebody like Gustavo who's g- doing charities and he's a really upstanding citizen and you have somebody pointing the finger at him. Uh, You know, you can't really go with your guns blazing of accusations. But I never saw him doing anything that seemed untrustworthy.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. Merkert had to be a bit of a politician as well as just being a leader of detectives and cops. He was a a political, served a political role in there. Um, But they talk about now how Madrigal actually owns part of Poyos Hermanos. They own, we learn later on in the series, they own some food stores, food Restaurants and and Poyos is one of those. Um, but Merker doubts this whole theory that they're somehow connected and doesn't seem to make sense. And even Gomez shaking his head, like, come on, Hank, you're reaching a little bit. But then Hank drops the fingerprint bomb. Um, how did Gus's prints get at Kale's apartment? Um, that just, I mean, Hank just proved right there that he's a rock solid detective. If anybody had any doubts, he may be crippled now. He may be slowed physically, but he's sharp as attack.
1: Absolutely. You know, he had this. Because I like that he says, yeah, you're right. I should be wearing a tin foil hat on my head. But guess what? I, what is, uh, what's Gus's prince doing in Gail Bedecker's apartment? Exactly. Uh, you know, when, Gail, or when Gus went to go visit Gail, was to ask how long it would take for him to be able to take over this whole operation. So uh, that was a misstep.
0: Yeah, multiple skills by Hank here. He's a good detective, and he's a great speaker. He's Mm -hmm. a storyteller. He presented this case almost like he's an attorney. He presented this case perfectly to these two guys. He He did. He set them up and then pulled the rug out perfectly.
1: Right, he did. It was great.
0: So that's it, Kelly. Episode 7, Problem Dog. Uh, I guess we find Problem Dog in the little tale that... (laughs) Jesse relates to the NA people. I don't remember it other places. Do you? Uh,
1: let's see. Where would he be a problem dog? Yeah, I guess that would be about it.
0: It's probably in there somewhere. We gotta, we gotta sharpen our. Uh... To dual meanings of the titles next next yeah. few episodes <laughs> yeah um but yeah problem dog and that's it for episode seven of season four our next coverage will be episode eight is hermanos this i think hermanos was my favorite episode of season four.
1: Oh, i can't wait
0: yeah so that's it we're west coast project this is our podcast for better call saul if you want to tweet us my twitter is at scathing tweets kelly what's your twitter
1: Brba underscore fun facts.
0: And how about your websites?
1: Uh, Breaking Bad Fun Facts and Better Call Saul Fun Facts on Instagram and uh, Facebook.
0: Okay, great. And all those links are on our web show notes. So just look on the podcast and you'll find them and click away. All right, Kelly. Till next time, I'll talk to you when we do episode eight, Hermanos. Sounds good. All right. Bye for now.
1: Bye-bye.